Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Andrea Brimmer. She's the Chief Marketing and Public Relations Officer at Ally Financial. She joined Ally in 2006, spearheading the creation of the Ally brand, developing everything from the brand pillars, cultural framework to the value proposition and delivery in the marketplace. On the show today, we talk about Ally, the brand itself, the position of purpose that they have in the marketplace and how that purpose seems to be changing to become a change maker, not just a purposeful brand. We all talk about her push into activist for women's sports, what the brand is doing to help lift up women's sports in many different areas and voting with their dollars. We talk about diversity and inclusion as well and courage and that marketers today need more courage. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Andrea Brimmer. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alan. I'm really excited to be here with you. <laughs> I am excited for this conversation and, and a lot of good questions and topics to get into. Um, but before we start talking about business, I want to ask you a question. I, I hear you were on the Michigan State's first ever D1 women's soccer team. I was. I was. Yeah, it was uh, It was a long, long time ago. And um, it was an it was an honor to be one of the founding members. 
we were instrumental in really getting the rest of the Big Ten to achieve varsity status. We were only the second team to have varsity status back when the Big Ten was actually 10 schools. And uh, it's super exciting to see how my Spartans are doing now and um, just the level that they're competing at. So it's awesome. <laughs> well, sports is a theme that we might come back to, uh, especially around uh, women's sports in particular. But uh, my, I, I have a passion for women's sports. My daughter is 15. She's just made the freshman basketball team in high school. And so it's just starting the season. It's going to be a busy, busy basketball season for us. Uh, that's awesome. No, I, I, I share your passion. So I'm excited to talk about that. Trust me. Awesome. Well, before we go there, I want to talk about your start, where you got your start in a career. And now that you're the chief marketing officer at Ally Financial, and you have been at the company for quite a while, as, as I look at it. Yeah, I have. I, it's, hard, it's kind of hard to believe. I came over right when the company was spun out of GM while they were going through their bankruptcy during the, you know, the financial crisis back in 06, 07. And and really, my first assignment coming to the company was help create the new brand, figure out the go-to-market strategy, congeal the culture. We had kind of a ton of legacy GMAC employees. And then there was an infusion of banking employees that were coming in because we obviously had our sights set on, on becoming a bank. And so there was this kind of collision of, of different kinds of cultures. And so we needed to shape one culture, one narrative, and then really figure out the entirety of the go-to-market strategy. So that was really my first assignment. No pressure. It came in in the financial crisis, came in with a $17 billion TARP infusion, six months to get to market, and all kinds of pressure to uh, make sure that the company stayed, uh, stayed alive. So it was uh, unlike any other experience. I've ever had in my professional time. I can definitely tell you that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it just the odds there are not necessarily in your favor as the movie goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was a time of a lot of stress, but it was also a time that a lot of us had energy and this massive belief in the mission of what it was that we were trying to do. We felt like we had this really unique opportunity to change the financial services category forever. People should be very emotional about their money. They were very apathetic about their money. At the time, there were a lot of pain points that existed in the category. The industry didn't really change a lot in the you know, since the its inception when Alexander Hamilton invented the category. And, you know, banks kind of didn't care because they they had you hostage, so to speak. And so I think we're just exceptionally proud of our role as a massive disruptor in the category and the kind of brand that we were able to build, the kind of value proposition that we were able to put into the marketplace. And now when I look at where we stand today, I marvel at the fact that I consider us probably one of the most tremendous success stories in American business history. I love it. I love it. And well, and you've been CMO, I believe, seven years, which is impressive stat. I mean, um, the only like person in my circles I know that has beat that is, <laughs> is uh, Phil Clement when he was at Aon, but he he's now moved on. He's a new CMO somewhere else now. But uh, seven is a lot, and especially given what we read in the trade press. So I'm curious, you know, what your secret is? Yeah, I mean, look, I hate that narrative in the in the trade press, to be honest with you. And uh, I, I've spoken extensively about that, and and I think it's a little bit mis misleading 
because, you know, if you really dig into the data, the situation is not as dire as, as painted. And um, many of the reasons is, uh, you know, for the, the tenure is that CMOs are going on to bigger and better roles, either within their organization or externally. So for me, yeah, look, I think the secret to my success has been a couple of things. One, I fundamentally don't believe that I own the brand. I believe that it is a shared asset across the organization. And the more of my teammates that can feel that ownership and feel as compelled to advance the the narrative of the company and to deliver on the brand promise in the same way that I'd like to, the better. And so I think when you kind of have that mindset, it opens up the aperture for everybody to feel like they're contributing to the to the success of the brand in the in the marketplace. I think secondly, I'm a fierce protector of the brand, a fierce protector of the way that the brand shows up, the creative product, and I have a lot of passion. You know, this was this has never just been a job for me because I helped create the brand and I helped create the company. So I feel like a founder. I feel like a an owner, even though you know we're a publicly held company. In many ways, like this is my baby, and I think that that passion shows up in in everything that I do, and it's felt whether it's at the board level or whether it's at C-suite level or whether it's all throughout the employee base. And then I think third is just my willingness and my openness to to listen and to bring people along in the journey. And I think that's been a huge part of my growth trajectory here is just creating followership and and really um, being open to all inputs, making it making a final decision, but being open to the inputs by assuming positive intent and knowing that everybody here wants what I want, which is a strong and very solvent brand and company. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I applaud your efforts and I really like what you're saying. That I was talking to an executive recruiter recently, made the same comments about you were saying, which is like, it's really not about the 10 years that short people are going on to new roles, even getting promoted to CEO type, you know, GM type positions, et cetera. But one thing that came out of that conversation, which I'd love to get your perspective on is he thought about the CMO role as kind of like, there's sometimes two types. There's what he would call wave maker and a wave rider. And if I think about like the origin story of Ally Financial, that feels like a wave maker type situation. (laughs) But I'm sure over the years, I mean, uh, seven years, uh, you've got to have seen a cycle where you're riding the wave as well. And I'm I'm curious if you think about it like that. And do you have to like modulate yourself maybe is the best word (laughs) during those different periods? Yeah, look... I think I like that. I think I like the analogy. I think it's good. Um, I hadn't heard that one, but you know, I've always thought about myself as a disruptor. And I think the thing that that the team will tell you, that my boss will tell you, that anybody that works with me is I have a great bravery when it comes to the way that we go to market, 
the way that we show up, the thing, the reasonable risks that I'm willing to take, the healthy pushes that I am not afraid to make. And I try and really like lead from the front. I, that was a switch I made someplace along the line in my career, maybe as I got older, where I stopped being afraid of losing my job and started being confident that I was making the right calls. And that to me was like an unlock that really opened up incredible opportunity to punch above our way to ignite and accelerate this brand and to really become a wave maker. And I think, I I don't know that I've ever ridden the wave because even when things have been going well, I have an insatiable quest for more. And my team will definitely tell you that. (laughs) I drive you crazy sometimes. (laughs) They're like, can't we just rest for a little bit? (laughs) No rest, no rest. You can sleep when you're dead. You can sleep when you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) That's the competitor in you coming out, I think. I know, it's the athlete. I can't help it. Well, you know, speaking of bravery, I mean, and and wave making, it seems like purpose at Ally is important, but it seems like you guys are transitioning, if you will, to becoming Ally as a change maker. And do you see yourself now in like a change maker position versus just having a strong purpose? I love that you said that. Well, I just had this conversation with my team about the fact that I think we've hit another gear and that gear is that we're moving the market on important issues that need to be dealt with societal issues, cultural issues, marketplace issues. What we did relative to overdraft fees and the elimination of overdraft fees was a big brand act that was incredible and has moved the market in significant ways. What we're doing around women's sports is another big change maker moment that is literally going to change the landscape, I think, of women's sports forever and and certainly for the better. And yeah, I mean, I think that that's how we're showing up as a brand. Alan, I'd say we were born out of purpose. And so we've never had to invent a purpose. We were born out of this purpose that that the banking category needed to be better and needed to be different and needed to solve pain points. And I think we we've never come off of that purpose. But I think what COVID taught us And the way that we showed up during COVID made us realize that we now have the ability to make meaningful change in people's lives on important issues. And once we got a little bit of a taste of that, there's no turns back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, if you can find that thread, if you will, to pull from having a strong purpose to begin with, and, and then how does that then translate out to the marketplace? You can... You can stand out for one, but you can make a change in the process, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Look, this year, you know, we showed up on Fast Company's Brands That Matter list. I believe we're the first bank that's ever hit the list. That was like just being on the list to me was so meaningful. All the awards and accolades that we love to give ourselves in the marketing world. (laughs) That one was really special because I think it speaks exactly to the heart of what you're talking about. We are a brand that matters now. And when we take something on, we have the ability to make meaningful change. But the distinction is we don't enter into anything that we don't come by naturally. It has to be authentic to what we do and what we're about, what we stand for. And I think that's where brands sometimes go awry is they they try and take things on that has nothing to do with why they exist. Let's come back to sports because you mentioned it a minute ago as well. Like you guys have really become an activist, if you will, for women's sports and and you're you're making real change happen. Is this an 
it just an, a natural evolution of of Ally's purpose into the market? Is it a little bit of personal <laughs> hutzpah as well, or or both of those things coming together? Yeah, I mean, all of the above. I think the impetus was that it was this year's the 50th anniversary of Title IX, and we knew that there would be a lot of brands doing things for Title IX, but probably mostly, you know, beautiful brand ads or tributes or those kinds of things. And we we wanted to do something meaningful. We wanted to do something real. And we came up with this notion of uh, what we were calling a 50-50 pet pledge for parity. And in May, we announced live at the ESPNW Summit that for every dollar that we spend in men's sports media, we would match dollar for dollar in women's sports media over the course of the next five years. That's the timeline that it would take for us to get there. It was born out of the insight that today women's sports receive less than 5% of the media coverage. And given the popularity of women's sports and the importance of women's sports in all aspects of our lives, 94% of C-suite women in the Fortune 500 played sports along the way, and 52% of them played at the collegiate level. And so you're building this pipeline of American business leaders through sport. And to us, it was just a really natural fit with what banks are responsible for, which is economic mobility and trajectory. So it's become a quest. And yeah, my personal passion for it absolutely has played a big part of it. But I think when you have it's like utopia when your personal passion can intersect your professional platform. And um, it's been a blast. I love it. I really like the idea. And you're voting with your dollars. It's not just words, it's deeds. <laughs> and it is making an impact. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that I would point to that, that, that we're the most proud of so far, look, it's it's only been since May since we made the announcement. We're already showing up. You know, Spencer United just did a big study that they just published, top, one of the top five brands in, in women's sports already. And we were instrumental in working with the National Women's Soccer League and CBS Sports to move the championship game to primetime, which was the first time in the history of a women's championship game, not just for, not just for soccer, but in any sport that has been played in network prime. So pretty big deal and a lot of impact in a short period of time. And now, you know, girls like your daughter can watch that and say, I can play in prime time. I can play on the big stage. And to, to know that we've been a part of that, there's no words that can really describe that feeling. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty amazing. And, and especially not to, uh, with the competitive spirit in mind, I love the men as well, but when the, when the women's, you know, U.S. national team is so much better than the men. <laughs> come on, guys. Come on. You know, like, like they should get airtime. They should get airtime. Absolutely. I would argue that the women's national team, you know, the, the 99 team was the tipping point for popularity of soccer in this country. And everybody was glued around their television during that 99 game. And the, you know, Brandy Chastain and Julie Foudy and Cindy Parlow and Brianna Scurry, I mean, just a powerhouse of players and nobody will ever forget the Brandy Chastain slide down the field after she hit a penalty kick with her, you know, with her kid off and just an incredible moment for soccer in this, in this country. And they've been a dominant powerhouse for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not to take this off the national and international stage, but my, my daughter and I are having the same exact conversation about the basketball, her basketball team at the high school she's at has won three state champions and ships in a row. Men haven't won any. And in preseason workouts, who gets the use of the basketball court? The men. 
<laughs> so I, I've been telling her I'm going to make a little uh, silent, you know, uh, silent protest sign and sit in the stands for every game saying women should have first choice of the gym <laughs> since they win. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, I mean, the thing we've tried to say through this is that I kind of all joking aside, it's not a men versus women thing. It's a men and women thing. Right. And mm-hmm. and that it would be great if we got to a point in our world where we didn't have to call it women's sports and we just called it sports. And that's what we're really aiming for is to put it on the same stage to give parity in terms of pay, to give parity in terms of league valuations, to give give parity in terms of the way sponsorships are sold, women's side versus men's side, where the leagues don't have to give up all their media rights just to sell a sponsorship. When you peel back the onion, there's so many things to take on in this space. And we need men to help us fix this. Especially, you know, there's a lot of men that are passionate about women's sports like yourself because they're girl dads and they want to see their daughters have the same opportunity as their sons. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, so we talk about a lot about sports, but you are also at Ally supporting a whole host of diversity and inclusion initiatives as well. I I wondered if you could just share a little bit more about what you guys are doing in that area. Yeah. So... DE&I is exceptionally important to us. We have a really robust employee resource group network. We've got eight different ERGs. I happen to chair our, our LGBTQ AI plus uh, employee resource group. It's deeply personal to me. My, uh, my son came out when he was 14 years old and the journey that I've gone through with him um, from coming out and, and the things that he's had to face and endure has been incredibly eye-opening and it gives you a very different perspective. And so, you know, the, the, the notion of the importance of diversity is, is so critically important. And it, again, another one that I think is personal to many of us at Ally. And we've, again, tried to show up in really authentic ways. So we're entering the fifth year of our Moguls in the Making program, which is a program that we've done with the Thurgood Marshall College Fund to bring in 50 students from historically Black colleges and universities, mentor them over a weekend and put them into a you know, kind of Shark Tank-like competition to win uh, jobs and scholarships from Ally. We have done amazing things around the LGBTQ space partnerships there that we're very, very proud of, both with local shelters for homeless um, LGBTQ plus youth to sponsoring, um, obviously, Pride events to a series called Changemakers, where we've uh, focused content on, on trans and diverse youth and business owners and, and really told those stories. So there have been a, a, just a plethora of things that we've done in that space. And again, just really, really proud of a lot of the change that we've been able to make there. And it does seem like, I mean, if the brand is about financial security and inclusion for all, you're really underscoring the all part of that equation. Absolutely. And I would point back again to the, you know, the concept I talked about a little bit earlier, which is the overdraft fees. And that's a big deed of words, right? Overdraft fees impact those that can afford them less. And the vast proportion of people affected are people of color. And and so, you know, that was, that was real revenue that came out of our bottom line with the elimination of overdraft fees, but it was the right thing to do. And it's a call to arms to the industry that we've got to be better at looking at true financial and social inclusion. And as banks, we have a massive responsibility for for financial and social inclusion. And we can impact it from a marketing side relative to the social inclusion. I'm really proud of our partners on the product side that are doing real things to 
to, to really make a difference. Well, I mean, I'm glad that you guys are there, that you're doing these things because, you know, finance and financial tools go across every dimension of our society in America. I mean, you cannot get away from uh, touching something financial. Everything we do, it seems like, translates to something financial. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. I always say the three most important things in your life are your health, your family, and your money. And your money, not in terms of what it can buy you, but what it allows you to do in your life and who it allows you to do it for. And we have this really deep belief at Ally that got to be financial services that truly serve. And we have an obligation to take the serve part really seriously. And um, exactly what you articulated is, is the reason why people work really hard for their money and it's their most important asset. We've got to protect it. Well, I don't think anyone would call you or Ally shy <laughs> in, <laughs> in, in, in general, but also in your marketing and the efforts that you're you're putting out around purpose and all the change making efforts that you're doing. Like you mentioned bravery before, and how have you developed? this bravery? Was it a conscious effort or did it just happen? It was, I think I've always been brave (laughs) in every aspect of my life. Not being shy is a great uh, characterization for me. You know, Ellen, I've always been in positions at at a young age that were maybe sometimes above where where I think I was ready for. And it taught me that I had to be brave. You know, I as a sophomore in high school on a powerhouse soccer team, I was made the captain with a bunch of seniors on the team. That was a daunting task, playing every minute of every game at Michigan State for four years and really leading a lot of the change up there was a daunting task. And all of these things kind of prepared me when I was on the, on the agency side. I was the, the youngest um, account director of the Chevrolet account and the only woman to ever lead the account in the 90 plus years that the agency had the account. So I was always kind of pushed into these places where I had to be brave. And when I came to Ally and when I ultimately took over as CMO, I realized that there were people that were just, they were afraid. They were afraid to push the envelope. They were fearful of the consequences where they were fearful of the repercussions. And I couldn't figure out why, because we didn't have that kind of culture. And I felt like I had to lead by example and I had to push people out of their comfort zone. And I really had to focus on kind of changing the mindset and changing the way that we went to market because we don't have the budgets that the big money center banks had. So if we were ever going to punch above our weight, we were going to have to do it through disruption. And it was as much a business strategy as it was an ethos that I really wanted to have around the team and the way that we showed up. I love it. Well, I mean, kudos. It's it's showing in the marketplace. And you can definitely see from you know, one outsider's perspective. Well, one of the things we, we've already talked about, quite a great deal about you and your and you know your background before but I love asking this question to everyone that comes on the show and I'm curious to get your answer you know it has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today yeah absolutely there've been a lot i think probably the most formative for me is is really more of a personal one my, you know my my brother got diagnosed with ms when he was 39 years old and he died at age 42 and um it was this, a shocking moment, as you can imagine, for our family. He was big and strong and beautiful and athletic and never smoked, never drank, but the epitome of health, worked out every day. And it just, it really made me realize that like you, you have to live in the moment and that life can be really, really sloppy. And 
you have to embrace the slop and, and that that's honestly where all the good stuff happens because your life, you know, we script a perfect life for ourselves and it never, it never turns out that way. And that was really important for me to realize in that moment. And um, it's just really changed how I show up, how I think, how I care about people, how I care about people in my life, even how I find joy in, in things and, and try and share joy and how I bring myself to work every single day. So it's probably, I didn't want him to die and leave nothing behind in terms of a lesson or a legacy. And, you know, part of it is an honor to my brother to, to really show up the right way every single solitary day and to enjoy life to the fullest. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, I can't imagine that that also fuels your, your, your bravery as well. And the fact that there may not be a tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah, make exactly. It, make it count. Make it count. Exactly. Carpe diem. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, curious if you were starting this journey all over again, is there advice you'd give your younger self? Yeah, I think I definitely the, the notion of embracing the slop would certainly be one. I think really I would have given myself a little bit more levity. I was so focused on got to get to the next level and I got to get this promotion and I've got to be at work all the time and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I wish I had taken more time to enjoy the ride through to where I am today, but I definitely have learned that lesson in my in my older years and and I savor every moment. I kind of pinch myself. I think I have the best job in marketing and and I don't take it for granted, not even for a day. You know, I wish I had learned that earlier to just to just go with it a little bit more, not push myself through so hard, to be a sponge, to be curious, to allow myself to have taken right turns and left turns through my career and to not really feel like it had to follow such a straight line. I really like that phrase, embrace the slop too. <laughs> that would make a good bumper sticker. Although I'm not sure people would know what you're talking about, but but you would. That was that's all you need to know. So, well, is there a topic you think marketers need to be learning more about today, or maybe it's something you're trying to learn more about yourself? I mean, I think there's marketing has probably changed more in the last five years than it's changed, you know, in the in the history of marketing. And I think that as marketers, we have to have such a aggressive learning agenda. And there's so many things that are coming at us right now. I think the biggest topic right now is just this, you know, this intersection of how brands show up in culture and what that means. And the distinction between, you know, intersecting a cultural moment or creating culture through your brand and the things that your brand does to matter. And that's a topic that I'm doing a lot of deep dives on and how do brands become cultural icons and why? How does your brand become indispensable? You know, if your brand went away tomorrow, would anybody care? There are a lot of brands that have reached that status and and a lot of it has to do with their place and culture. And so to me, that's such a an interesting topic and one that has got so many layers to it. I think it's one that marketers have to pay a heck of a lot of attention to right now. No, I agree. I agree. And you're right. Like if I think about some of the when you say brands and culture, some iconic ones come to mind. Uh, maybe because we we're talking about sports earlier too, but like a Nike as an example. But like, yeah, it's it, they're so woven into everything, and even people's personal identity. Right? It is a brand, but they they identify with it in, at a much deeper level that 
it says something about who they are as well. Exactly. It's though, you know, though it's it's part of the way that they show up. It's part of the way that they that they live their life. And, you know, I think there's such a distinction between that and showing up in a cultural moment. And this term has been thrown around so much and it's like overplayed. And I think marketers really understanding what it really means to be culturally relevant is very different than many of the fails that so many brands have had by trying to intersect a, a, t- a moment in time that they don't belong in. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. And so I'm curious, are there brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should take notice of? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Look, I think that what's happening in women's sports people should take note of. Leagues like the National Women's Soccer League, absolutely on fire. And and it's exciting to see everything that, that's happening there and, and the valuations of, of expansion teams and, and the, the power that the athletes have in taking their voice back. I also follow very closely, I think the fashion brands, what, what has happened, especially with brands like Gucci, Balenciaga, Prada, uh, Louis Vuitton, absolutely staggering just read the um you know inner brands kind of best brands showcase recently and and all four of those brands have hit the list and the collaborations that they're doing the way that they have intersected culture the creativity with which they're not only just designing but the rapid pace with which they're bringing products to market and and um, even in a really choppy environment, you know, economically becoming must-have things, you know, platforms, interesting platforms like United Masters and what they're doing to disintermediate record labels and and give artists the ownership of their music rights. These are all really just interesting forces that are happening and are 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 things that I'm looking at and following very closely. We're, you know, we're becoming such a creator economy. And um, the way that brands are having to go through a metamorphosis to intersect this notion of creator economy is really, really interesting. Yeah. No, it's definitely rapidly evolving and, and something for everyone to take notice of. Last, I have one last question for you. I'm curious to get your thoughts on what do you think is the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today? I think the, I think the largest threat facing marketers today is is really the changing role of the CMO. Chief customer experience officer, chief digital officer, chief marketing officer. There's a million different titles now. And I think that marketers need to do a better job of defining their own narrative and defining really what they should what they should own within the organization and, and really what should be encompassed in their scope of work. So I think that there's a bit of a identity crisis in in the marketing space today. And it's a huge threat if we don't do a better job of not only opining on the value of marketing and delivering it, but really cementing what our place within the organization should be. I hate when I see marketing getting layered under different groups, not being part of the C-suite. I think that's just a basic misunderstanding of the value of marketing as a catalyst for growth and a catalyst for change in an organization. And I think it's a huge threat that we've got to aggressively take on and do a better job of defining. I 100% agree with you. And I can't say it any better. um, But I think there is this notion as well as CMOs. If we go back to that wave maker analogy, you're coming into a new role, you potentially know ahead of time the type of change that you want to drive. You may not know what the change is. And I think as we think about you know, that wave 
starting to crest and coming to the next one, there's this reflection moment where I think two things need to happen. And I just, I was curious to get your thoughts on this. One is what's next? Like what's the next wave? But the other one is marketing, marketing and the impact that it's having. I, I think we forget to do that last part a lot of times and it prevents us from being able to make that next wave of change happen. Yeah, I talk about that a lot. My team and I talk about it all the time and we, we call it um, getting your getting your key themes down. And we sit as a leadership team and we get our key themes down for the year and then we drill those into everybody's head across the organization and then we report consistently and persistently on the progress of that. And oftentimes what happens is we get dragged into like a you know 15 page scorecard and we've got to say, no, that's not something that's productive. Like here's the five most important things that we're going to do this year and make sure that it's clear, make sure it's aligned with the CEO's vision. I think that that's the way that marketers get themselves in trouble real fast and then talk about it consistently and persistently and Tell our, you know, tell a good truth. So I am a big believer in that. It's something we've practiced. And I think it's a part of the success that we've had. You know, look, I look across my leadership team. Most of my leadership team has been with me since the beginning. And the new ones are only because we've added people. So my my head of brand, my head of operations, my head of digital, my head of CRM, my head of advertising and media, uh, my head of auto, they've all been with me for for this entire ride. And I think it's because we're so aligned around what are we trying to do? What are the key themes? And we're also consistent and persistent about telling that internally. You're also keeping them really busy too. (laughs) (laughs) And growing along the way. (laughs) That's right. I give them a lot of alcohol. They're fine. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Play hard, work hard. Yeah. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your insights today. Uh, Ellen, it's been a pleasure. And um, I hope that you enjoy watching your daughter play basketball. And I hope she has a awesome season. It's awesome that she made the team. And uh, I want you to make sure you keep us posted on her uh, trials and tribulations and victories. I will. I will. Thank you so much. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with post-production support from Sam Robertson. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com. Tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love hearing from listeners. You can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes and links to what was discussed in the episode today. And you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 